My name is Jill Coyle, and from years of experience as a divorce attorney, I know for a fact that no one dies from divorce. The experts and I are here to show you how to not only survive, but thrive during the most difficult times. Welcome to another episode of No One Dies from Divorce, and this is our Halloween special with my buddy and um, my longest employee, I guess you would say, Luke Shaw. Welcome to the show, Luke. Thanks for having me. Yep. So today we are going to talk about spooky myths of divorce, and we're going to give you a little bit of advice to not let it fool you and not let it let it scare you. So, um, happy Halloween, everybody. And we're excited to share and blast away some of these myths that you're, you've been hearing about. So the first thing we want to talk about is myth number one, and that is a divorce is always contentious. That's not always true. In fact, um, you know, we're a high litigation, high conflict firm, But maybe the top 5% of all divorces come and need COIL law. The remainder of the divorces, you know, don't need that kind of, you know, um, advocacy. They don't need that because they're not going to have, you know, that many problems in their divorce. Another statistic that is interesting is is that about 50% of all divorces don't even use attorneys as it is. So... Those are clearly parties that are trying to get along, trying to, you know, not be contentious and are, you know, doing things amicably. Right, Luke? Yeah, I would say the vast majority of people ultimately are contentious when it comes down to it. Um, And I would say that simply because they are amicable, you know, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be talking to an attorney about their divorce, um, not to necessarily have representation, but to understand their rights. Um, but absolutely. I, I, Tip I don't, number one, always at least talk to an attorney. But it, it doesn't mean that it has to be contentious. There's plenty of uh, clients that we have that aren't contentious. They just simply want to make sure that they're covering all their bases and what they're agreeing to is appropriate. And so um, having attorneys doesn't necessarily mean you're contentious. Uh, it just means that you've got some things to work through um, that might not be super simple. But uh, yeah, I would say the majority of people aren't all that contentious. Uh, but those that are usually causes problems. Yeah, this would be a really good segue and plug to um, talk about our new company, simpleending.com. Me and Luke have been working on a project for the last couple of years where I wanted to be able to offer up do-it-yourself divorce documents online that are at an attorney quality when you don't want to or don't need to hire a big gun, big expensive attorney. And so Luke is my attorney that he's now fully working in simpleending.com and Luke we're just about to launch. Well, Tell people a little bit about it. It's really exciting to launch this product because we see a lot of clients in Koya Law who uh, come in and they did their own divorce documents and they are not good. Mm-hmm. And they cause lots of problems and ultimately a lot of money to fix. And so 
what we were aiming to do, what we're trying to do is help people not only have good documents that can be upheld and are clear and understandable to anyone, uh, but also help them understand what it is that they're putting in their degree. Um, Absolutely. Education is key. If you don't know what you're signing, uh, you know, how can you, one, follow it, um, but two, understand that it's going to work for you in the long term. Uh, Because I think what people who aren't attorneys generally don't understand is um, divorce, uh, a decree, uh, is a contract ultimately, which is signed by a judge. And, you know, it's not for the good times, it's for the bad times. And that's why going back to the first myth, uh, being amicable in itself, you know, it's great that you don't fight, but um, if you're too amicable and agree to whatever it is, that's troubling if you sign it. And so our goal is to help people understand what they're doing um, so that they don't have problems after they finish their divorce. Absolutely. And we're so excited. Our product, simpleending.com, is coming to market here in just a few short weeks. You can check out our website. You can hear what we're doing. You can see what we're doing. And then if this is going to be a way or something you need in your divorce, it's going to be made available. Utah is going to be the first state. And then we're quickly moving to Texas. So we're super excited. Um, Okay. Let's talk about myth number two. What is it, Luke? Adultery can cost you everything. Uh, For some reason, uh, there's a notion and probably an archaic notion that if you cheat on your spouse, that the world is going to end for you in divorce and the court is going to rake you over the coals. Uh, That's simply not true. Uh, In most cases, the states will not um, direct a judge to punitively damage someone in a divorce because they were um, unfaithful. Um, There's some states uh, that allow their courts to consider that when they um, say award alimony, they may adjust it some, um, depending on whether or not it was the reason they got divorced. But generally speaking, um, being a terrible spouse does not mean that you should necessarily get a lot less property or you should get less time with your kids per se, because there's lots of people who are not good spouses, but they're great parents. Right. Um, and uh, I think people lose sight of that, um, especially in contentious cases where they, you know, think, how could you do this to me? You must be a terrible person. And, you know, I, I think that's uh, overgeneralization of uh, the character of a person. Yes, absolutely. Another thing about adultery is people think that it's the end all, like it's the destruction of a marriage, but um, adultery is actually something that obviously is something wrong with the person that decided to commit adultery. And um, it's actually something that a marriage can bounce back from if the work is put into it. Um, it's something that people can recognize, um, and the behavior and then actually do the work to come back to the marriage. So just cause somebody cheats now for some people, that's just like the line in the sand, but for a lot of people, it's actually something that could grow marriage closer and it could make it that, you know, you get back to, you know, taking care of each other. So just want to throw that out there. 
So myth number three, mothers always get custody. How many times have we heard this, Luke? All the time. All the time. I'm a man. I'm not going to be able to get custody. I'm, you know, I'm a dude. I'm moms always get custody. They always get whatever they want in divorce, especially in Utah. We hear this all the time. And that's just a myth. You guys, at least in my practice, in the last 15 years of practicing, I've seen this huge shift of really focusing on making sure both parents have quality parent time with their kids. But this is what you have to remember. Okay. There's a difference of equal parent time or custody and quality parent time. And I'm telling you right now, if you've never been a 50, 50 parent in the marriage, why is it so important for you to be a 50, 50 parent outside the marriage? You might want to think about that because that's something the court's going to definitely question and going to decide if you're just wanting to do this for purposes of child support. So, um, and me, Luke and I can talk about how we've gotten, you know, a handful of guys custody because the facts were right. And, you know, it was in the best interest of their child. Usually, and usually when someone comes into our office and says, I want sole custody of our kid, it usually has nothing to do with the ability to parent from the other spouse. It's usually spiteful or there's some other reason than the best interest of the child at play when those statements are made. But it shows right that people need to be um, realistic about what it is that they actually want. Why do you want 50-50 custody? Is that the best thing for your child? Um, and maybe it is, but it should always be framed as, you know, what's going to be best for the kids, not what's best for me, what's going to kill my spouse. I, those things don't matter. And ultimately that's not what the court cares about. The court cares and at about the end of the day, you want to be a 50, 50 parent. You want that. Cassette. You better know who your kids' teachers are. You better know who the dentist is. You better be able to, you know, communicate with your spouse about co-parenting and extracurricular activities and blah, 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 because that's really what the court's going to be focused on in ensuring that this is the best, you know, situation for your kids. So myth number four, only women get spousal support. And this is, this is a interesting topic. And I don't know that this is swung quite as heavily um, as custody or parent time for kids. Uh, the laws generally don't specify that only women are entitled to spousal support in that way. They are gender neutral and it opens up the door for anyone who has some need and the other party has an ability to pay to ask for spousal support. Uh, I think the stigma has dissipated to some degree. Um, and I, I don't know that that's completely gone away um, in the judiciary, if, at least from my experience or from the general public. Um, yeah, it, it, but, you know, it, it can be awarded and it should be in some cases. Uh, particularly in the cases where the traditional gender roles have been reversed and you have a, a breadwinner mom and a stay-at-home dad and he hasn't been in the workforce, he needs financial support in order to maintain uh, not only the kids but himself. And so the court should award that, you know, similarly to a mom in the similar position. So it's really a, a fact situation-based, not a gender-based um, analysis. And that's what the court aims to do. 
you know, if the party is okay with asserting that claim, I, there's no reason they shouldn't. And I've done a handful of divorces where women have had to pay spousal support to a guy. Now, I would say that I think the court does scrutinize ability to work a lot harsher on a man than a woman, whereas in Utah, especially a woman's expected to work minimum wage, which is silly because you can't even get a minimum wage job in Utah. It's got one of the best economies in the world, you know, this country right now. But um, but a man will be expected to make more money and therefore could be imputed to more. I think that the court does scrutinize a little bit harsher on that. But. But for the most part, I know it happens. And I agree with you, Luke. A lot of it is just a fact base. It's math. And the court's just going to do math. And, you know, now in America specifically, we are a very patriarchal society. Utah, even more so based off of the religious connotations that are in the state. And therefore, it's more common for a man to be the breadwinner and therefore more common for men to have to pay spousal support. But no matter who's ordered to pay it, they don't want to. So yeah, it's, it's never a good feeling. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Myth number five, divorces always go to court. And that's just not true. Even in our firm where we're high conflict, high asset, high litigation, only about... um. 5% of all of our cases go all the way to trial. Majority of our cases settle out before trial, either through mediation. Sometimes we have to go to a court hearing, whether it's just to get some interim um, orders in place, or you know, we have to get an expert ordered or something like that. But majority of all cases settle outside of court. Yep. Our goal, and I think most attorneys' goal or should they should have the goal of doing what's best for their client, which doesn't necessarily mean going to court. Uh, you know, if there's a, an agreement that can be reached outside of court in an amicable way, it, that's better for our client. If we can avoid them spending money on us or um, fighting, uh, that's what we're going to do if that's best for our client. So, you know, if, fighting is what they need to do in order to get a fair resolution or we just simply can't agree, then that's what we do. Um, but that's not the end game or the goal. And um, you, the when you're looking for an attorney, you need to find an attorney that wants your work, doesn't need your work. Let me say that again. An attorney that wants your work doesn't need your work. An attorney that needs your work is going to be more suspect on billing you and dragging things out to make sure that they get paid because they need you. An attorney that wants your work is somebody that is well-respected within the community, getting plenty of cases, and therefore is not there to nickel and dime you. They're there to help you get the best resolution. At Coil Law, that is our mantra. We're here for you. We do not need your work. We want your work. Um, so this is, I like myth number six, go ahead. Assets are divided equally, which. So I want to just preface, this is going to be very, very state specific. And let me just tell you, so I'm licensed in Texas. Luke's almost licensed in Texas. He's waiting for his bar number basically. And then, um, we're both licensed in Utah. Utah is an equitable divided state. 
which does not mean equal. But usually when it comes to your assets and your debt, the court is going to split it equally. Now, Texas is a community property state, which means equal is not going to necessarily be the standard. And there's going to be an analysis of how they should divide the property. So with that, Luke, do you have anything else to say? Yeah, the court's goal is usually to be fair. Uh, Granted, you know, fairness is very specific to the person, very subjective, um, you know, what attorneys often say about mediation or court, if both parties walk out unhappy, something probably fair took place. Um, you know, if one person walks out ecstatic and one's really mad, you could also have a, an issue with managing expectations uh, for clients. But generally speaking, no one is going to be an outright winner. Um, in division of property um, or really much of anything with the court, you usually just have some level in between. Uh, and Absolutely. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, people that think they're going to get everything, you should probably check those expectations. And it, you have to understand the process in order to have uh, appropriate expectation. Absolutely. If you walk out of court or walk out of your mediation and think, I didn't win, but I can live with that. That's a successful mediation. And that's what you need to be making sure, just like Luke said, like you can't set your expectations to get everything because you're not going to get everything. Everybody loses in divorce in some kind of. So let's talk about myth number seven. Luke, you want to go? Children can pick who they live with, which is so common. Um, That is probably one of the most common questions um, that we hear, um, especially as kids get a little bit older, Um, at least in Utah, there's um, some, there's a statute that suggests that the court should give greater weight to the preference of a child that's 14 or older, uh, which is what we tell clients. Um, The courts often say that at that point, kids also vote with their feet Um, because it's harder to compel a child to go somewhere um, once they reach a certain age. You know, they have reached a maturity level and a a stature where you can't physically take them out and put them in the other parent's car anymore. Um, You lose some control. And so uh, the court understands that too. In Texas, on the other hand, the statute does allow for the court to take it into consideration um, younger at the age of 12, which uh, as a practitioner, I think it's probably more appropriate. Uh, it's maybe a little intimidating for a child to go into a, um, a, a judge's office and talk to them about what they want. Uh, and you have some issues with coaching, obviously, parents influencing the child and what they want, but that's going to happen no matter what. Uh, often parents are going to do that in some way or another, but uh, they don't get to just choose. Um, ultimately, it is either the parent's right to choose it between themselves and agree or for a court to decide. And the court's going to take all the evidence, including the child's preference, and they're going to decide. You know, if they can't believe the child's being honest or forthright, or if they don't believe that, you know, what they say they want is actually in their best interest, they don't have to do that. And so, you know, no one tells the court what to do. Um, the court simply signs off on something if parties can agree on something. 
Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, this, this also connotation that if I just make it so my, my child doesn't want to go to the other parent that somehow that then the child will just choose me that never plays out well for you. Um, that is going to most likely drag you back into court. It's going to put your child in a really, really impossible and horrible situation. So just don't do it. You're ch- we said this earlier, you can be a really crappy spouse, but a decent parent and your kids need both of you. You know, we grew up with our parents and half the time, one of them or both of them were kind of crappy. We've had to deal with that trauma. So just because you're divorced now in 2022 doesn't mean that your kids don't need both of you in some way, shape or form. So, um, you know, both the kids need to be going back and forth, need to be able to have an open and loving relationship with both kids or both parents and um Generally speaking, at least. Generally speaking, there's always those outliers. There's always those reasons. And I get that. But but for the most part, most kids need to be going back and forth to their parents. So myth number eight, if you don't pay child support, you can't see your kid. Now, specifically in Utah, this is uh, no um, child support cannot be directly correlated with you denying parent time. So you can be held in contempt and be charged criminally for custodial interference for not letting your kid go to that other parent's house, even if they're not paying child support. So just don't do it. It's a bad idea. You can get in trouble for it. Well, likewise, there's other things that people or other solutions that they're for non-payment of child support, and they could technically technically be criminally charged for not paying the child support if it gets mm-hmm. bad enough. Um, and there's other ways to collect child support. And so it, states usually have a public policy that the child parent relationship shouldn't be interrupted simply because of financial um, ramifications of child support. Uh, they're two separate issues, although Utah at least specifically ties them together f- to some degree, but um, not to say that it should be withheld because of it. One of the things is, is that if you're not paying your child support, they can bring you into court for a motion to enforce. And I'm telling you one of the quickest ways you can be sent to jail because you can get sent to jail for not following your divorce decree <clears throat> is don't pay your child support. Judge will throw you in jail faster than anything else that I've seen in a contempt action. So you don't want to be there. So the last myth, what is it? Myth number nine. Divorce comes with a social stigma. Mm. And this is also kind of subjective. And I think it depends on the person and what they think of what other people think of them. Um, You know, if internally you think that there's a stigma, you're going to think that people are judging you for a divorce and Mm -hmm. that may be true that may not be true you can't control what other people think but generally speaking the public you know 50 percent of the people that got married are going to get divorced Mm -hmm. Uh, so you're in good company with the other 50 percent of people that also got divorced for one reason or another yeah you know they don't really have a basis for um judgment and so a lot of getting rid of that stigma is also trying to not care 
about yeah. what that well, social well, stigma may be. Well, and that's the other thing is, is that we've used, um, you know, divorce is such a shameful topic for so long. And just like you said, if 50% of all marriages are ending in divorce, man, let's make it a movement. Let's make it a movement to become a better version of yourself. That's going to be a lot of people working to become better human beings. That is overall going to make our country, our cities, our schools, our parenting, our families better. So let's go that direction. I like that a lot better. We all make mistakes. Um, Some of them are more apparent than others. Yes. Uh, You know, and focusing on yourself and not other people is helpful for everybody. Absolutely. These are our nine myths of divorce, spooky myths of divorce, Halloween, go out there, get some candy, enjoy your kids, be safe out there. You guys, I love coming to you every week and reminding you that you don't need to just survive divorce. You can thrive through it. Luke Shaw, you're always just a blast to be with. Thank you for joining me on the last minute on our show today. Thanks for having me. Happy Halloween. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed, please subscribe, follow, and share. I'd love to hear your questions and feedback. You can contact me at community at jillcoil.com. See you next time. I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. Any advice given on the podcast is general and shall not be construed as legal advice. For listening to this episode, if you enjoyed, please subscribe, follow, and share. I'd love to hear your questions and feedback. You can contact me at community at jillcoil.com. See you next time. I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. Any advice given on the podcast is general and shall not be construed as legal advice.